On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men who had said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering himself what had happened. Now, these are the words that we read last week as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And with these words, the biggest plot twist in history took place. As these disciples who had spent the past the, the previous three days mourning the death of Jesus came to the realization that Jesus was not in fact dead, that he had risen, and that he was alive. And as we learned last week, for 40 days, these disciples would experience the presence of Jesus as he explained to them the meaning of his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it was so unexpected that these disciples began to reinterpret everything that he had said and everything that Jesus had done through this new lens. And it would shift how they saw God. It would shift how they saw themselves. It would shift how they saw others and how they understood their role in God's kingdom. And this shift, this shift of experiencing the resurrection and reinterpreting everything through the resurrection took time for them to truly process. Uh, This is one of my favorite things that I talked about last week because I think it's one of those things that helps us to understand things at a deeper level. We're going to read a little bit here in the book of Acts. And when we look at the book of Acts, and as we look through the book of Acts over the few weeks that we're going to get into it after this series that we're in right now, we're going to look at a time in the church's history that we see this group of people trying to understand the meaning of the resurrection. And when I say it took time for them to interpret that and to understand that, that's what we see in the book of Acts that we're talking about a 30-year stretch of history. As this early church was born, people who wrestled with the idea of what does Jesus' resurrection mean for us, and what does it mean for me, and what does it mean for the people around me, and what does it mean for our world? Sometimes I think we look at the scriptures, and we sort of see it as just this boom, 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 boom kind of thing happening and taking place one event after the other. But instead, what we need to see is that these are people who are processing and who were wrestling through things, who were seeking to understand, who were on a journey. 
See, sometimes I think in faith we try to get in a hurry to get everything all right, to get everything in a box, to get everything situated. Instead, what we see with the early followers of Jesus and we should see in ourselves is that it takes process, it takes time, it takes this, 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 this understanding that we have to look at things through this lens and begin to seek and to understand it. And let's be honest. Every year that we come back to this story of the resurrection, we see it in new ways. We see what it means. We see how it impacts our world. And that's how we should look at our faith. We should take the time to understand, to turn, to twist, to say things like, I don't know, or I'm seeking to understand. I'm growing in that, and I'm still learning. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been in faith, the correct posture as a person of faith is I'm still learning and I don't know. I'm seeking to understand. And we do that through a healthy community that's willing to ask questions, that's willing to journey with us. That's kind of cool because that's what we see in the early church. That's what we see with these disciples. So, for 40 days, the disciples experienced the resurrected presence of Jesus. A presence that we actually still encounter today as we follow Jesus in our own lives. And for 40 days, they walked with him and talked with him, experienced his presence. There's a really cool thing that happens. At the end of that time, man, it's just cool to think. (laughs) These people walk and talk with Jesus. He dies and they mourn the loss of their friend. They mourn the loss of their rabbi, their teacher. Then he's resurrected. Everything changes. That's really how we need to see our world. We, We should see that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And so that's exactly what it was like for them. And then after that 40 days, at the end of that time, Jesus took his disciples for a walk. He took them about two miles east of Jerusalem to a village. It was a village called Bethany where Jesus had spent a lot of time. Uh, Jesus had friends there. He had performed miracles there. Uh, This was a significant place in Jesus' ministry. And it was there in Bethany where ministry was significant for Jesus that Jesus would leave his disciples for the next part of their journey and their ministry. Now, we call this departure the ascension, and it's recorded like this in Luke 24, 50 to 53. It says, When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. It's one of those places that I wish we had a little bit more content. I want to know what Jesus said here as he blessed them. We have different places and different pieces that that tell us a little bit more. But like, I wish that Luke was like, hey, here's exactly recorded as Luke would record things. This is exactly what he said and what he did. But he blessed them. Jesus was known for saying peace upon you. Yeah, maybe he blessed them with peace. He blessed them to go. In other places, we're told he says, go make disciples. So he blesses them here like that. It says, while he was blessing them, he left them, 
was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, the writer of Luke tells this story again. It's in his second book that we find in the Bible called Acts. So I've talked about last week that Luke and Acts go together as one book. So when you read those, what you're reading is this history that talks about the life and teaching of Jesus and then the reality of his followers and what they experienced and how, again, that 30-year period of how they experienced Jesus' resurrection. So we're talking about a significant chunk of history. We're talking about 60 years of time, of the life of Jesus and these disciples. So in, in Acts, Luke begins to write again. He, he brings us back to this story. And he says it like this in chapter 1. After these 40 days after they first encountered the resurrection of Jesus, he retells that experience to begin to talk about the book of Acts. And this is significant because he's saying this event, this moment mattered. And and this moment is significant for the story that he's about to tell about these followers of Jesus and what they are called to do next. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to teach and do. So he he says this to this person called Theophilus, maybe a real person, uh, maybe a stand-in for a kind of person. Um, this is a person who is a, it, it just means lover of God. So this is a person who seeks to follow and, and love God with all of their lives. He says, so in my former book, Theophilus, whoever that is, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and and this is important, and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So now Luke is giving us some additional background to this. Now we're seeing what is this blessing that he is giving them here? This blessing apparently comes with this question. What comes next? Is this what you're about to do? He says, no, 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 listen, you are going to receive the Holy Spirit. You are going to be my witnesses. Peace to you. Go and do. Go and be. So he blesses them with these words. You receive power. And imagine Jesus looking at you and saying this. You will receive power. You will experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus says to all his followers. You will receive power when he comes in. You'll be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Again, after this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
They were looking intently up at the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking in the sky? One of my favorite movies of all time is the movies Hoosiers. And I, I watch I watch Hoosiers like every single year. I try to get the rest of my family to watch it with me. My daughter Emily definitely watches it with me. And it's just it's just one of our favorite movies. But there's there's a there's a scene in that movie and it's one of my favorite scenes and I Jill has a picture of it here for us. And it's when Coach Normandale gets kicked out of a game. And shooter is tasked with having to call a play for the team to try to win the game and Shooter is unsure. He's uncertain. And then he calls his play called the picket fence. He looks around him, he points to the guys, he begins to tell them what to do. You can see his confidence raising. And there's a line at the end of it that I love that Shooter says. He looks at the team, he says, wait, 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 before you go out on the floor, before you go out and run this play, listen to this. Boys, don't get caught watching the paint dry. So he calls this play called the picket fence and they're going to run the picket fence. And he says, boys, as you're running the picket fence, don't get caught watching the paint dry. Now he was telling his players, look, take action, but don't wait too long to run the play. Don't just sit around. Don't just watch. Make sure you do something. This scene as I was writing the sermon this week just immediately came to mind as I, run, as I read Acts chapter 1 verse 11. As these two people dressed in white show up again in this moment of, uh, of people trying to wonder and figure out what comes next, just like with the disciples at the empty tomb, now they show up as these disciples are staring off and looking into the sky. And I, I can imagine this scene as the disciples are sort of just, they're staring and I just kind of wonder if they're looking around going, what, what just happened? Like, what did we just experience? And then in the middle of that, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And I just wonder if it goes back to what Jesus has said. Listen, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. He's, he's saying, you are going to share the good news to the entire world, to everyone. If you want to go back, we did a series about the good news, and we talked about this idea. Uh, it, it was um, uh, love your neighbor, and in that, we talked about Samaria. And that these were people that they were in conflict with. Instead, Jesus says, you're going to go and you are going to be my witnesses. Not just to your people, but to people you don't necessarily get along with. And you're going to be my witnesses to the end of the world. You are going to share the good news with everybody. And then after that blessing, after that moment, Jesus ascends. The disciples are looking, you know, just staring off into the sky. Men of Galilee, why do you stand there? looking into the sky. See, in resurrection, 
we see something amazing. We see that the resurrection wasn't the end of the story. Sometimes this is what's so frustrating is we get together, we celebrate on Easter. And this happens you know, all around the world that we come together, people celebrate, we get together, we celebrate on Easter. And then we forget that's not the end of the story. That, that is the moment that births the rest of the story. And it's so significant for us to see that because at that moment, at resurrection, sin and death, they do not get the final word. Jesus and everything he taught, listen, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, all of that was resurrected that day too. So when he says that he talked about the kingdom of God to them, and I said, how important is this that Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God to his disciples for those 40 days? Because his point was, I want you to understand the significance of this moment and what happened. Because the reality was that as he came into Jerusalem, people looked at him and thought he was establishing his kingdom in that moment, in that time, in a very earth-driven, king-driven kingdom that would shove out everybody else who looked different and be focused simply on these people in their kingdom. And then he dies, and all of that dies with that. Their their hopes and their dreams about that reality. And when Jesus is resurrected, he says, No, 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 don't miss the point. That's not the kingdom I was talking about. I was talking about a kingdom based in the good news, grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. A kingdom that is good news for every single person that is good news for everyone in this world. This kingdom, this reality, people following Jesus into his grace and his love and his mercy. And the people that tried to bury that failed because it was resurrected with Jesus. And his kingdom would know no end. But here's the point. We live that out. We live out what he taught. We live out the reality of the resurrection in our own lives, participating in his kingdom, sharing in his kingdom, being workers in his kingdom. But we have to live it out, and we can't just watch the sky waiting for Jesus. And that's the point of this moment. Men of Galilee, why do you stare just looking up into the sky? Go and participate. Be in his kingdom. And the same is true for them that is true for you and for me. That we can get caught up just staring, waiting for Jesus, instead of realizing that we have to live it out and not just watch the sky waiting for Jesus. See, there are too many people who claim to follow Jesus just waiting for Jesus to come back instead of doing the work of Jesus in this world. Let me say that again because I want you to hear this. I want you to apply this. I want you to to, to really, really dig into this. There are too many people who claim to follow Jesus who are just waiting for Jesus to come back instead of doing the work of Jesus in this world. Now we talk about exploring the way of Jesus, following Jesus, following him on his path, in his way of goodness and grace and love and mercy. And there's too many people who look at that path and say, hey, I've chosen to follow Jesus. And then they just stand at the end of the path. They just wait. Just stand around going. Somebody says, what are you doing? 
Well, I'm following Jesus. No, you're not. You're just standing there. Well, no, I, I can see Jesus. I'm just waiting for him to come back. No, the idea is Jesus is moving. Jesus is walking. Jesus is resurrected. See, for people like that, they're living in the tomb. They're just staying and waiting for Jesus instead of following Jesus where Jesus is going. Don't just stand around waiting for Jesus to come back to you. Go and be with Jesus. This is the gift of the good news. This is the gift of the resurrection. That I don't have to wait for Jesus. I can experience Jesus in my life right now, but it means actually moving and actually walking and actually doing and actually participating in the kingdom of Jesus. I don't want to be known as somebody who just stood around and stared in the sky waiting for Jesus to come back instead of living out the resurrection of Jesus. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's a meaningful life. That's not a waste of my time. That's doing something with our lives, giving them to something greater than us, following Jesus. Now, this brings us back to the Apostles' Creed that we've been going through, and it takes us back to this important clause, because that's what this clause is pointing us to. It says, He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. And we read that and go, what's that have to do with all you've already talked about, Ryan? Listen here. I want you to see why this is so important because as we see this, we see he ascended. He comes to judge the living and the dead. Now, first we read that the word judge is very uncomfortable, depending on how we understand it. If we see that word as a word of just arbitrary condemnation, hear me on this, we miss the point. It's not the point of the word judge here. Instead, we're to see it as a reminder that we're not simply waiting around for Jesus to come back. Jesus is saying, did you live out the blessing that I've given you? Did you live out the reality of the Holy Spirit? Did you stand at that, at that end of that road just waiting? Or did you follow? Did you do something? Did you participate? As we read the creed, we affirm a couple things. We affirm that Jesus is Lord of our lives. We affirm that we live in his kingdom. And we affirm his teaching. And one of the things that he taught us to pray is that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And that will is done through us as we actually follow Jesus, as we move. If we sit at the end of that road just staring, waiting for Jesus, or looking out in the sky just waiting for Jesus, we are not living out the prayer that he gave us to pray. That your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let me participate in making that a reality here and now as I follow you. See, my actions and your actions matter. Hear me on this. It's not good enough to just stand there and go, yeah, see that guy walking away? I like that guy. I like that guy. Actually, I know some things about that guy. I can tell you all these passages that I memorized about that guy. Nobody cares. If you're not walking and following Jesus, does it really make a difference what you know or what you memorized about Jesus? No. The idea is go and be like Jesus. Go and live out His grace and His love and His mercy and His forgiveness. 
Go out and love people the way that Jesus loved people. Go and do and be. That's what it means to be a disciple. My actions, your actions matter. You call yourself a follower of Jesus. Now, Jesus told a parable that reminded his disciples of this reality, and it brings it all together because we see this, Jesus teaching this before he dies, and then he's resurrected, and then as they are writing these things about Jesus, you have to imagine they look back and say, oh man, do you remember when Jesus said this? Because this helps bring this all together for us. In Matthew 25, listen to these words. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. So now we're now we're back to what the disciples asked. Jesus, is this when you're coming to do this? Is this when you're doing this? Jesus talked about this. Jesus gave them a glimpse of this reality. So let's let's continue on. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So they're following Jesus along this journey. And I sort of have this picture in this image of the Good Samaritan story. <laughs> Sometimes what happens is we're either standing at the end of the road waiting for Jesus to come back, or, or we're so focused that we forget that he said to love others. And then along this journey, we see people who desperately need help. People who are caught on the edges of the road. What some people do is maybe they see those people, but they, they're in their periphery and they're just focused so hard on Jesus, whether they're standing still waiting or whether they're moving, but they just miss everything out on the edges of the road. And rather than go to those people, rather than go over and help those people, they miss out. And in this story, then Jesus says, hey, when you stopped, when you stopped to care for those on the side of the road, did that for me. But you had to walk, you had to move, you had to participate, you had to, you had to be moving towards Jesus to do that. The parable continues. He shifts to those on his left, those that were living with an inward-based focus. Then he would say to those on his left, you know, again, the people just standing there, the people just waiting for Jesus, the people who know things about Jesus but don't go actually and do anything. Then he would say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Fire is hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me. And I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You did not look after me. 
They also answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison? You did not help did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now this gets fascinating. Because there's all kinds of people who, for whatever reason, love verse 46. They get all caught up on, okay, so some people go to eternal punishment, and some people go to eternal life, and they love to focus in on that, and sort of, then they begin to create out of this verse the people who they say are in or who are out, and they begin to think that they take the place of God, and that they get to have the opportunity to say who is in and who is out, and who gets punished and who doesn't. And that's when we begin to miss the parable of this, or the point of the parable of this story we begin to miss that Jesus actually is talking about here, right in this parable, who is participating in eternal life and who is participating in this eternal punishment. I'm not saying the conversation about that doesn't have some kind of value. I'm just saying don't miss the forest for the trees when reading a passage like this. All kinds of conversation happening about 46, but don't miss the point of 46 because you don't read the rest of the chapter. Let me just say it this way. One of my favorite authors says it like this. Often the people most concerned about others going to hell when they die seem less concerned with the hells on earth right now. Whoa. Let me read it again because this is one of those moments like you're going to go, whoa. Often the people most concerned about others going to hell when they die seem less concerned with the hells on earth right now. So the most of the people who are most concerned to put people over there look and say, hey, I'm not even noticing the people on the margins. I'm not even recognizing all these people because I have the right answers. I've memorized things about Jesus. I can watch him walking away right there, but I'm not walking towards him. I'm not caring for the people that are on the margins on the journey there. Life is found in the journey eternal life is found in those moments eternal life is found as we follow jesus and we live like him and we live out what was the word we talked about the, we live out the resurrection we live out the eternal life of jesus as we care for those on the margins so this writer goes on he says while well, the people most concerned with the hells on earth right now seem the least concerned about hell after death he's saying get it straight get what's important get what matters don't miss the point of the parable that Jesus is saying. You need to be caring for the least of these. Listen to this. Jesus didn't leave this earth for us to wait around for him to come back. The ascension to heaven signaled the end of Jesus' earthly ministry and the beginning of ours. The ascension to heaven signaled the end of Jesus' earthly ministry and the beginning of ours. And as Jesus ascends to heaven, don't miss this, as Jesus ascends to heaven, our gaze follows him there. And as we look to Jesus, we're reminded of his call on our lives today. So the disciples look up and they follow Jesus into their gaze into heaven. And then the angels say to them, don't get caught just staring. Don't just get caught looking, but realize the impact of what you're looking at and the difference it makes in your world today. Now go and follow Jesus. Go and do. Go and participate. I read this week from a fellow pastor. And he and I were, were sending messages back and forth talking about this brilliant statement. In heaven, no one is sick. In heaven, no one is in poverty. 
In heaven, no one has a monopoly on resources. No one is exploited to maximize production. No one's value is measured by the bottom line. Imagine if this is what we Christians meant when we prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To be people who believe in the resurrection and the ascension means that we live out the good news. That the love of Jesus permeates our world through the way that we live, how we love, how we treat others, seeing Jesus in heaven and in those around us. I go back to Matthew 25. I think that Jesus could have talked about so many things for which we'd be judged. So many things for which people judge each other. And he didn't. Don't miss this. His focus was on how we love others, particularly those on the margins. So let's live out the love of Jesus in this world, inviting others to experience his goodness, making real his prayer for his will to be done on earth as we lift our gaze toward heaven. May we be amazed at the resurrection, at the ascension of Jesus. May we follow our gaze to heaven and see the reality of the goodness and the mercy and the grace, the reality of no sickness, no disease, and no poverty. And as we lift our gaze toward heaven to look to Jesus, may we pray, Father, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And as we follow Jesus, and as we live out his way, may we pray that we would make that a reality for everybody that is on that road, for everybody who is around us, for everybody in this world, because you and I are witnesses to the resurrection, to the ascension, to the reality of the resurrected Jesus who desires for us to live out loving God and loving others in this world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these words. We thank you for the Apostles' Creed that teaches us the importance of understanding things like resurrection and ascension. While we understand that we may not always get those things right, that we may not fully comprehend what that means, may we come back to this reality that your desire for us in this world is to care for those around us. That in following you, the thing that you pointed to, the reality that you made of most significance, was how we cared for those on the margins and how we cared for the least of these in our world. Father, help us to be people who cast our gaze toward heaven, who see Jesus seated on his throne, and may we recognize that it's not about 
knowing, understanding, comprehending, but doing and being followers of Jesus. It's your name that we pray. Amen.